Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. I'm so excited to have here a fellow Michigander and a colleague of mine. She's actually a John Maxwell coach. I met her a few years ago. And uh, even though she's a Michigander, I met her in Orlando at one of the certification trainings that we had with the John Maxwell training. And I just want to read Virginia's bio. You're just going to absolutely love her as much as I love her. Uh, She's a leadership speaker, coach, and trainer, is the founder, owner of Virginia Gronley LLC, whose mission is to help individuals, teams, and businesses develop their leadership skills. She has worked in the field of leadership for over 20 years with a Fortune 100 company. She has a BBA in human resource management, is a certified Lean Six Sigma Black Belt, and is a certified speaker and trainer with the John Maxwell team. Virginia brings a unique experience from various leadership positions in HR, customer service, warehousing, quality control, and has served on the Macomb St. Clair Workforce Development Board. She has led over 100 workshops, training events in more than 13 states, helping individuals, teams, and businesses maximize potential, enhance engagement, performance, and productivity. When not working, Virginia enjoys spending time with her family, boating, and photography. Welcome, Virginia. So glad to have you on the interview today. Um, You just told me that you have a son and that your husband has two daughters and you have five grandchildren and I have a grandbaby on the way. So I'm super jealous of you that you have five already. That's exciting. Congratulations on your upcoming grandbaby. Yes, very, very excited. So, So what's it like having five grandchildren? Give me in a nutshell what that's like. Exhausting. <laughs> Actually, it is it is truly a blessing. I love them. Um, we try to get them overnight um, at least once a month if we can. Uh, they are a joy. They love coming and hanging out with us. Not this time of the year in the winter, but in the summertime, they love going boating with us and fishing. So you will totally enjoy it. You, It's amazing the love you have for your grandchildren. And uh, they are truly a blessing, but exhausting for sure. Yeah, exhausting. <laughs> forward to being exhausted for sure yes. and, and you know tell me Virginia like why did you join the John Maxwell team like what was your biggest reasoning for that and then also you became tell us what the lean six sigma black belt is I get that question a lot <laughs> so um I will say that I I have my bachelor's degree and I was thinking of going back and getting my master's but I wasn't really sure if I wanted to. So I started doing some research and John Maxwell came up and I've read his books. My very first book I read up from him was um, there's no such thing as business ethics. There's just ethics. And I remember after that reading that book that I really enjoyed him as an author. So I read several other books. And when I started doing the research on the John Maxwell certification, I thought, Hmm, this looks really interesting to me. And I love personal development leadership. So I went to my boss at the time and I said, hey, instead of me going back and getting my master's, I'd really be interested in going back and getting my certification through the John Maxwell team. And they approved it and paid for it, which was outstanding. And so that's how I found it It was a Google search and started doing research on it. And I said, I'm going to do this. 
I want it. And I'm a firm believer, and I'll, I'll talk through that, but I'm a firm believer in always diversifying your skill set and staying up to speed with what your passions are. So that way, if you do um, encounter any type of adversity in your life, you're able to overcome that with what you've invested in yourself. I love that. I love the fact that they paid for you to go through that program instead of, you know, the usual university of masters. Why yes. do you think they did that? What was the biggest selling point, do you think, for that? Uh, a couple things. One, I had a very good relationship with my boss and he knew I had a passion for this. And I was newly in a new role that was created for me and it was in the talent development space. It was developing our leaders. And so I was able to sell it to the staff that this focus was specifically on leadership and personal development. And that is what we were lacking and needing at our company at the time. So it was a very easy sell. Mm, I love that. You know, um, it's interesting because over the years, I have personally come up with my own definition of leadership. And it really stemmed from my own transformation that I've had. And that's why I started this podcast. It's the B series, Untold Stories of Leadership Transformation. And again, it's untold stories because I feel like so often that even on interviews with podcasts or just day-to-day -day life, we become human doings and not human beings. And we forget exactly what created those specific transformations in our life. And I believe that the only way to be who you're designed to be is you've got to go through transformation. Absolutely. And so I just kind of like want to talk about that because my definition of leadership is transformed people, transform people. And I know for a fact, Virginia, that you've been transformed, but let's, let's go back to like early in your life where that first transformation took place because you weren't always like the perfect child. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you dropped out of high school. Yes. So, and now look at you and what you're doing. Now you're helping to develop people and again, transform people, transform people. So let's talk about that, Virginia. Where did that transformation happen and what happened? Why did you drop out of high school? Sure. So I, I hate to even admit that, but I do think it's part of my story. So I do like to share it. But early in life, I had very low confidence, low self-esteem. I was always comparing myself to other people and saying, oh, they're better than me at this. They're better than me at that. And so I just really never applied myself. I was kind of a, a rebel. My parents probably would tell you I was a good kid, but behind the scenes, <laughs> I knew better. And so in 11th grade, I just, I don't know, I just got defiant and said, I'm going to drop out of school. And no reason at all, I wasn't getting failing grades. I just said, I'm going to quit, which was stupid on my end. And my parents would get on me about going back. And you know how that is when parents talk to you, it goes in one ear and out the other. But I'll never forget, I was at one of my dear uncle's house who has since passed, my Uncle Pat. And very calmly, I, and I can actually picture him sitting in his chair in the living room to this day, saying to me, Virginia, you really need to go back and get your diploma. You're going to look back on life and regret it. And I don't want to see that happen to you. I really think you have some potential. And I just would really ask that you go back. And I don't know if it's how he said it or what he said, but something in his message resonated with me. And it wasn't long after I did go back. I went back to night school, worked two jobs, and got my diploma, which I'm very thankful for that. And I'm sure my parents are thankful as well. <laughs> yeah. And so that was a very pivotal point for me because it made me realize that there is potential that if I really do put my mind to it, 
I can accomplish anything. And so I was very glad that I did go back, get my diploma. And I actually, when I was working at the company, they actually paid for my bachelor's degree 100%. So when I was there, I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go on and get, I started with my associates, of course. My girlfriend and I went together to kind of keep each other motivated. And she decided after her associate, she was going to stop. And I said, you know what, I think I'm going to go on and get my bachelor's. Mm -hmm. And again, very thankful that I did. I ended up graduating with honors. Excuse me. And that's when I really realized that my goal was I wanted 4.0 in every class. But I ended up getting, I think my grade point ended up coming out to be like a 3.7. So it made me realize that if I really put my mind to it, I can accomplish what I want. So I would say that was a very key point in my life with that message from my uncle. Something resonated with me that I went back and got my diploma and since then got my bachelor's. So I'm very happy that I did that. So you, you went real quickly through, you know, you struggle with low confidence and low self-esteem. And I resonate with that, Virginia, because I did as well, especially as a teenage uh, young lady. Um, let's talk about that. Like, where do you think that stemmed from? Where did that come from? What was going on? And what age were you at the time that you really struggled with it? Do you recall? I don't know where it came from because my parents were always very positive, you know, very good at complimenting. Um, I think it was just the fact that when I looked at my friends that either had more than I did, were prettier than me, what where I thought was were smarter than me, something in me just kept that negative self-talk. And so I would constantly talk myself down that I either couldn't do it or I'm, I'm not as pretty as the next girl, I'm not as smart as the next girl. And so I unfortunately let that negative self-talk take over. And so I don't really know where it came from. I would say it started probably around the teenage years, you know, when we're going through all the changes in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents were great. I mean, you know, my mom and dad were very loving. We had very strict rules, of course, which of course me being defiant, that was probably a good thing. <laughs> but um, I don't really know where it stemmed from. It was just something that came about around my teenage years. And I would say it it continued into my early 20s. And then I started seeing a transformation. Mm. Yeah, you know, I have over 300 uh, future professionals, we call them in my Paul Mitchell schools, and they're about 18 to 25. And, and so, you know, when I got into this business, it really was a ministry because of my own negative self-talk as a young lady. And, and so what, talk me through that, because you talk to that 18 to 24, 26 year old that's struggling with low confidence, because I'm telling you, it's on arise right now. I, I don't know where it's coming yeah. from, but I would say eight out of 10 young ladies struggle with this. I don't think what you went through was abnormal. And you said something really key that I think we all still do. I'm 54 and I'll do this once in a while. I catch myself as constant comparison. Yes. Let's talk through that process. Like what advice do you still struggle with that Virginia? And what advice do you give now? Cause I know you're a life coach. I know you're a business coach. How do you get away from that constant comparison? And that's a great question. Cause you're right. I really did fall into that trap. Um, I can remember just going to parties when I was younger and walking in. And the first thing I would do is point out all the pretty girls and immediately my confidence would go down. And I could tell a difference in how I related with people because I felt so bad about myself. So what I would tell 
18 to 25 year olds today is to really remember that we're all different. We all have our own talents and that we need to focus on what's special about us and not let that negative self-talk deter us from what our goals and our plans are. I also think it's key that, you know, the people that surround us, when we see that someone is struggling, that you're always lifting them up. You know, it's very easy for us to bring people down, especially when you have low self-confidence and low self-esteem, you want to bring people down with you, right? Because you want them to feel as bad as you do. Mm -hmm. So I would say really, if you're around 18 and 25 year olds or anybody, we should be lifting each other up instead of bringing people down and just focus on what's special about you. There will always be somebody better at either coaching, speaking, your job, how you look, how you speak. So focus on what's special about you and your talents and just really develop a habit of getting rid of that negative self-talk. So for example, if I say to myself, I think I can do it, I catch myself in my mind and I say, no, I know I can do this. And it really does help, but it's a habit you have to develop. Hmm. Talk about how did you find out really what was special about you and what advice do you give to people to find out what's special about them? So I would say try a lot of different things and think about what's bringing you joy and happiness. And that will help you tap into what you're passionate about. Um, same with me. I'm in my early 50s. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but... <laughs> And I think we all go through that. We go through life and we think, you know, what is my overall purpose? If you were to ask me back in my 20s, would I be doing what I'm doing today? I would have told you, heck no. But I think over time through that transformation and evolving that you end up finding what your purpose is and what your passion is, but you have to try different things. You got to get outside of your comfort zone because if we stay inside of our comfort zone, we are never going to learn and grow and develop. And so that is very, very important. So if there's something you always wanted to try, try it. If you fail, that's okay. You learn from it, move on, move to the next thing, but really find what's bringing you joy and happiness. What's the feedback you're getting from people of what you're good at? And then really tap into that and see if that's something you want to pursue. Walk me through what was going through your mind when you quit high school, because I feel like we have this it's like a rampant epidemic of people who are quitters, right? I'm going to quit high school. I'm going to quit college. I'm going to, you know, we have 35% drop rate alone just across the country in cosmetology schools. I mean, here, you know, people are choosing something they've always wanted to do their whole life and they still quit, right? So they're still good at it, but they still quit. And, and so, you know, here you were, you know, you're, you're so smart. I mean, 3.7, right? And that's so incredible, but yet you dropped high school. What was going through your mind at that time? I think it was just the fact of, I wanted to be defiant. Honestly, I was going through some struggles. My parents at that time were going through a divorce. And okay. so I think it was the fact of my way of acting out, which was not smart at all. Um, and I think the message my Uncle Pat was trying to get across to me, because he saw that potential, my parents saw it as well, but you know, we, we don't listen to our parents, unfortunately. But my uncle, just the way he said it, and, and he was always very special to me, something in his message resonated with me. He was just very calm, truly had a concern for my future, 
And I, I really felt that he truly believed in me. And I think that it just got to my heart and it, I didn't want to disappoint him. And mm -hmm. so I, I think I went back for him, but ultimately it was for myself. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that so many people want to quit. And I can say this from experience because it's easy. And we don't want to deal with those struggles or we don't know how to deal with those struggles. And so I would say, you know, we really need to persevere through the, the hard times and the struggles because that's what makes us stronger and makes you grow. You know, you're talking to someone right now that's listening to this, their parents are going through a divorce, okay? And uh, talk through that process right now because what transformation started happening with you in that moment? What do you think was going on in your mindset? And wh what is your mindset now towards that divorce? I think at the time I thought I could fix it and help them because, you know, as children, you never want to see your parents get divorced. Um, so I think in my mind, I felt like I could help them. I could fix it. Uh, you know, as kids, you always think, oh, am I the problem? When you know, in reality, that's not what it is. And so because I couldn't and the frustration of it, that's probably what led to me saying, well, I'm just going to drop out of high school. And I probably think deep down, there was probably the think, thinking process, well, if I drop out of high school, the attention will come to me and maybe they'll get back together. I think, you know, even though we think we're being defiant or quiet resistor, you know, you're a business owner listening to this right now and maybe you have a team member that's being that quiet resistor and is, you know, not jumping in on every bit and piece of your culture. But in reality, it could go right back to their 16, 17 year old self, right? That, and I believe a huge transformation happened in this moment that made you the person you are today because this is a very hurtful thing. Like, let's, let's not like just, you know, blow over this and say, hey, oh, my parents got divorced. Like, no, my parents got divorced and I was hurting inside. And so I thought the best way to do it is to be defiant and to quit high school. And I figured they would get back together because they want to make sure I finish high school, right? And so did that ever happen? Did your parents ever get back together? No, they didn't, but they, they get along to this day. I have a very close relationship with both of them. So, and that, that took time for them, but they do today at least get along, which is good. Yes. And, and I love that. And so, you know, I always, I love the phrase, honor your father and mother, you know, in their weaknesses too, because they're human beings just like us and they're, they're going to make mistakes. And I think so many of us put uh, so much, what's the word I want to use so much um, responsibility on our parents' shoulders for our lives and thinking right. your life should be perfect. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, but that's talk to that 16, 17 year old self, talk to that person now, what, how would you react now knowing what you know at, in your fifties and, and, you know, talking to that same person that's going through this struggle right now, that's just hurting. Talk, talk to yourself right now. I would say the biggest thing is love yourself. You know, whether you think other people don't love you, love yourself, be good to yourself, allow yourself to make mistakes. It's okay to go through those tough times. It's okay to break down and cry if you need to. And it's okay to reach out for help. I mean, we cannot, life is tough. We cannot go through it alone. And you need those supporters around you just to vent to. But don't always try to be a fixer because sometimes you just can't fix things. But always love yourself and make sure that you are treating yourself the way that God wants you to be treated 
You want to make sure you're being respectful of your body, respectful of yourself. And people can't take that away from you. So, you know, words do hurt. So even if someone says something negative, just block it out and move on. Mm. Wow. It's like a whole book worth <laughs> of information. And, and so you kind of said something. You said, love yourself. So you, you, you would have just told yourself, Virginia, love yourself. Be good to yourself. Yeah, but, but you also said break down and cry. So go through that mourning process because really when you think about it, a divorce is like a death. It's a death of what you knew uh, was right. the comfort of your parents being at home. And so you said go ahead and mourn, but reach out for help at that moment. And you know, those of you that are looking at this and saying, okay, I don't want to have regrets. I'm going to go back and finish. And let's talk about that for a minute, because I think that's an untold story of transformation of quitting, uh, quitting something, but going back and finishing. Like when should you quit? Have you ever quit something and never gone back and didn't have regrets about it? And, or, uh, you know, when should you not quit? All right. And when should you right. restart? So what's your thoughts on that too? Because I know sometimes I'll start things and I'm like, you know what, this is not uh, good for me because it's taking time away from my family. And I know right now I need to be with my family. Right. And so quitting is okay because yes. it's got a good reason behind it. But when is it not okay? Talk through that process. I would say when it's not okay is if it's something where you are investing in yourself to make yourself better. And just because it gets hard, you quit. Um, and like you said, we see that so often today. And so I think you need to push through and realize that pick, look at the big picture and what your future is going to look like if you do complete it. And what's it going to look like if you, if you don't, if you quit. So I think you need to weigh the pros and the cons. If it's something though that is really going to have an impact on your life, it's then you need to finish it, whatever it takes. It may take longer, that's okay. So I'll give an example. Let's say it's someone at 18 to 25 and they're going back to college, but they're having to work full time. And maybe they have a family as well. That's tough. So you don't want to quit just because it's getting hard, but maybe you need to push your timeline out. That's okay, but you're still gonna finish. And I think that's key. Yeah. So finish what you started, especially yes. if you're investing in yourself. Wow. Okay. So you hit on something that could take an hour. We can discuss <laughs> this because uh, when it gets hard, people quit. Well, how do they figure out like uh, that? Because they're not going to say I quit because it's hard. Right. Right. <laughs> they have so many excuses. And, and I love to quote this quote from Wynn Claybaugh, who's the dean of Palmetto Schools, he, he says, when you're good at coming up with excuses, you'll never be good at anything else, which is, wow, that's mind blowing. Cause it's yes. like, oh, I don't want to be good at excuses. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right. Bad. I don't want to have a PhD in excuses. <laughs> and I hear this from so many, I'm sure you do too. That's why yeah. there's coaches in the world. That's why we have us that are here to help people from quitting, but us. Uh, someone's listening right now that's about ready to quit. They want to quit. How do they di differentiate and say, you know what? I think I'm quitting because it's too hard. I, I think you, you need to go back. I'm a big list person. Write down a list. Why are you quitting? What are the reasons? And I think when you do that, you'll really look at, okay, are these truly valid reasons that you do need to quit and move on? Or like you said, are they excuses? 
And I think that'll really be an eye opener for the person to sit there and really, it's just themselves be, and be very honest with yourself. Why are you quitting? Be honest. And that's the key. You yes. got to be honest because it's just you talking to yourself. Nobody else knows, but why are you quitting? And so now let's, let's go forward because here you are, Virginia. And, uh, and so tell me, I know one of your defining moments was when your specific team in your company, what company was this, um, was downsized. Like that had to be so transformational for you. It was. So this particular company I had been with 20 plus years and, and it was a great company. But we, there was this particular project team we were working on. That was our full-time role. And there were probably about 20 of us. And 90% of us were downsized. So basically, we were told there's no longer going to be a job. And we needed to find a job within the company or outside of the company. And so my belief system, my parents always taught me, do a good job and you'll have a job for life. Because back in the day, that's how it was. And so this was a real shock to me of, I've been doing a great job. I always had great performance reviews. I can't believe I'm losing my job. And so I went through the normal stages of anger and grief, you know, with change, denial, anger, depression, and then ultimately realized, okay, this is something I can't change. I need to focus on what I can change. What can I do? So I'm a big list person. I started writing down a list of what, what were my goals? What were my plans? So I realized, I think I'm going to just look outside of the company. So I started writing, getting my resume prepared, started working on an action plan of how many resumes I was going to submit a day and started contacting and applying. And surprisingly, one of the senior executives had gotten word that I was looking outside of the company. And he actually personally called me and said, we don't want you leaving the company. We will find you a job inside. Please don't leave. So that was a shock. Um, very, a good shock for me because that was good. I was hoping that I would be able to stay with the company and I will never forget. I was driving to my car and I got a phone call for an interview for the lean six Sigma black belt role. And I pulled in the Kmart parking lot. I remember that had my interview on the phone and the next day got called and said, I got the job. Now lean six Sigma black belt is not karate. <laughs> it, <laughs> It sounds good, but it's, uh, it's actually a methodology through statistical methods where you help, you basically lead projects on helping uh, companies eliminate waste and reduce variation in their process. So definitely not my area of expertise and definitely out of my comfort zone. So I was already a Lean Six Sigma green belt, but hadn't done projects in a few years. So I accepted the position way out of my comfort zone. Um, out of all the Lean Six Sigma black belts, probably 90% of them were engineers. I was not an engineer. So again, I started that negative self-talk of I'm not going to be able to compete with these people. I'm not an engineer. But I went through the class. You have to actually take a class. You actually have to test and get certified to pass. And I did. And um, I remember at the table we were working at on a particular activity. And there was one gentleman that was pretty difficult to deal with. And so we were going around the table and um, he just was not wanting to work with us as a team. And so I kind of coached through the process and got him to come around and we ended up doing fine. And I remember a person from that table coming back to me saying, you're really good at that. You really need to think of doing that as a career. And I didn't pay attention to it. So that was about 15 years ago. So I became a Lean Six Sigma Black Belt, did that for four years, traveled the U.S. and Canada, going into 
it's the same company, but different sites, maybe different businesses, knowing nobody and having to go in and lead a project, get results and build relationships. And I can honestly say at the time when it happened, I thought it was devastating because it wasn't comfortable for me in the beginning. I really didn't enjoy it. But as I started to become more comfortable and confident and started seeing results, and my boss at the time was wonderful at giving me great feedback, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'll never forget, he said to me, he said, Virginia, because I think he sensed that I was feeling um, not so confident, and I will never forget, he pulled me in his office and he said, Virginia, I don't ever want you to think that you cannot perform like the other black belts. He goes, you're what I call a stealth fighter. He goes, I can give you any project and you get it done. And I will never forget that because I was not feeling confident at all. And from that moment on, I just continued to apply myself, continue to learn and grow, knowing it was uncomfortable and it was challenging. But I can honestly look back today and say that was a true pivotal point in my career that pulled me out of my shell. I became very comfortable with public speaking, very comfortable leading projects all on my own in a new company, not knowing anyone, still getting results. And so that was truly a blessing in disguise when I look back. Wow, so that was a transformational period. So listening and that feedback, the encouragement that he gave you, and he said, you're a stealth fighter. <laughs> I, I will never forget that. <laughs> wow, and I just, I watched your whole demeanor just shift when you said that too. And because let's go back to when you said, I struggle with low self-confidence, that followed you throughout your career. Yes. And because it followed you, because here you thought, you thought this company was going to let you go because they're downsizing. So of course they're going to let Virginia go in your head. Right. And yep. so the low self-confidence kicked in again there at that moment. Right. But then they offered you a job, but then you're like, Whoa, I got another phone call. I'm, I'm jumping onto this because it's going to take me and push me a little bit farther. What was going on in your mind right then when like, wow, they want me and they want me and now everybody wants me. Like what was really shifting in your mindset at that moment? I can honestly say when the senior executive called me, I was very surprised and that did help build my confidence. It really did because I didn't think, honestly, you think you don't matter that people at that level weren't really paying attention to you. And so I'm a firm believer, no matter how difficult it gets in your career, don't burn bridges, don't become negative, even if things aren't working your way, because I truly believe that it will work out for you, whatever that is. And so I think because of the positive attitude I had, even though I knew I was losing my job, I never said anything bad about the company, about, you know, my boss, I would, I would never complained. I just stayed focused in moving forward. And I think the feedback was from the other executives that worked with me on some projects was that, you know, I was good at what I did and they didn't want to lose me. And then having that positive attitude and behaviors through this difficult time of knowing you just told you're not going to have a job. I think that helped as well. And they realized that, you know what, if she can make it through this, she gets results, she does what we need her to do, we're going to find her an opportunity. So it did help pay off and it really helped build my confidence. Mm, I, I love that. And, you know, I have had so many staff members just like you, Virginia, and, and I always wish that they would have just spoken up 
and just, you know, did that brave thing. And I call it do it afraid, take 20 seconds yes. of courage, just come in and just share with me your heart, like what's going on. Like, you know, so I can help you feel like you matter. In fact, it just happened yesterday. I had a team member uh, that I've been wanting to tell her for so long how much she matters to me. And she came in and she wanted my blessing because she wants to move to Denver. And so she wanted my blessing to give her a referral out in Denver and just from Michigan to Denver. And, you know, I took that moment and I had tears in my eyes, just thanking her for everything that she has done for our company. And I told her that she'll always have a job, but I have like, it's sad because I have a hundred staff members plus that I wish I could spend time with. And, but yet I keep saying to them, speak up, go take that five minutes. Like, Hey, how am I doing? And how could I do better? Because I believe when you keep asking that question over and over, I had a staff member that did that. And I know he struggled with low self-confidence, trust me. And he still would come in with a sheet of paper and a pen and go to his, you know, me who was a supervisor and say, Hey, how am I doing? How could I do better? How would you like me to handle this? And I saw his self-confidence just go through the roof. Now he's the executive director over all of my companies, but he, he, he did that 20 seconds of courage, right? And oh my gosh, such a transformation happened. I just watched something transformed people, transform people. What I saw was this quiet resistor Virginia in high school that quit high school identified this man when you were doing this uh, project with the Sigma uh, black belt, lean six Sigma black belt, this man who's a quiet resistor, but you handled him. You knew exactly how to handle him, but I believe that was because you had gone through it yourself. Because early in my career, I was the type of person that I would not speak up. If if somebody needed somebody to do a presentation, I was the one with my head down thinking, oh, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. And so I think it's from the challenges you go through, pulling yourself out of that comfort zone. It's, It's a skill you have to learn. And I think pay attention to when it works well and when it doesn't work well. And also not being focused on yourself. Talk, talk right now because you, here you are in employment. I don't believe you leave your soul at home. You know, you're, you take your soul with you wherever you go. And you did that. And, and you didn't speak up. Um, it was a skill you had to learn. Um, but having the other person's heart and mind, like that probably didn't come natural to you either. How did you gain that? What, what transformation happened with you, Virginia, that you stopped thinking about yourself and had the other person in mind speak to that person as like, man, I don't think I'm selfish, but maybe they are right. <laughs> about is themselves. And so how do you have the other person's in mind and why do you want to have another person in mind? So I, I would say that how I came to that realization is probably through trial and error throughout my life, where you thought someone had your best interest at heart, but then you got stabbed in the back. So by experiencing that in your personal life and in your professional life, um, that was an eye opener. And it made me realize that I don't want to be that type of person. I want to try to be someone that really is thinking about the other person. Now, not to say that you don't fall back and you become selfish. That happens. That's just human nature, right? But I try to really keep that in front of me. So when I am dealing with someone and they're maybe going through a difficult situation or they're coming to me for advice or coaching, I really think about, okay, this isn't about me. I need to think about their their situation. What can I do to truly help them? And so maybe you're dealing with someone and let's say they come to you for coaching 
and you know right off that you could give them the, the answer, but it's really not going to help them. You want them to work through that process, but maybe you have an appointment. I got to get this done. I got to be out of here in an hour. That's going back to being selfish, right? So I think really focusing on what do they truly need? I need to spend that extra time and help them through the process versus being worried about what I need to get done. And again, it's, it's, that takes time. It takes habit. It's, um, and being self-reflective and not being so selfish. And, and that's hard to do sometimes. Yes. Well, okay. So you hit something hard. Like I, I just saw some shift in your mindset. So there was a transformation that happened with you. You got stabbed in the back and you like that, the pain of being stabbed in the back was like, wow, I am never going to do that to somebody else. And I'm just going to help people like, and, and so you got addicted to helping people. I know I'm addicted to helping people. <laughs> yes. like, it is like uh, a drug for me to see somebody live out their purpose, to see them shift in their mindset. Like my whole goal is just transformation. Just that's why I'm doing these podcasts because I want people to be transformed and their mindset and their life will be transformed. Talk through that process. You got stabbed in the back. We've got someone listening right now that's getting stabbed in the back. Feels like, feels like they have the whole world against them talk through that process and help them get through that process. So I would say the first thing, and I'll, I'll do it in a professional example. So if you're in your career, let's say, and you feel like you're being stabbed in the back and maybe feedback you're getting is not positive. The first thing I would say is really self-reflect. Is there any part of that feedback that you think might be true? Even though it hurts and it doesn't feel good, is there any part of that feedback that possibly could be true? And really take that time to be honest and self-reflect. If you find that it is, then you need to really come to that person, thank them for that feedback, and work on what it is that you need to improve. If it's not true and you find that they're stabbing you in the back, you know, at some point you have to just move on. And maybe you need to have a conversation with that person. So if it's a situation where let's say you're the employee and it's your boss, it might be a toxic culture that you're in or a toxic environment that you're in and you might need to move on. Or you might need to, like you said, speak up very professionally and politely and let them know what, how you're feeling. And hopefully it's a situation where you're highlighting to the other person what they're doing because they may not realize they're doing it and you're able to talk through it. And I did have that happen at one point in my career where I had an employee that just, I could sense she just did not like me, it was very difficult. If I walked down the hall and would say hello to her, she wouldn't say hello back. And it wasn't me personally, it ended up being the situation we were in at work. And so when we sat down, we were able to talk through it. I was able to realize what her frustration was and was able to put that at ease. And then I, she was able to help me see it wasn't me personally. It was the situation that the company put us in. So we were able to work through it and it ended up working out. But I think a lot of it goes back to communication. And if you feel that you're being stabbed in the back, really being honest and having that open, honest communication, if you feel comfortable in doing it, you know, yeah. if it's a, if it's a, a safety issue, obviously that's different. Right. But if it's something that you feel you can be honest with people, sometimes people don't realize they're doing it. Yeah. Especially if they've done it their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And when you call them out, that might be an aha moment for them. 
I love that. that. That takes me back to John Maxwell's book, 360 Degree Leader, How to Lead Your Leader. And, and that's so, so powerful. I actually had a staff member actually that was uh, given feedback by her, um, uh, by her bosses, if you will. And, uh, and she actually uh, quit over it. She literally quit. And she said that um, she's not going to have her professionalism um, questioned. <laughs> and so, and I love that you said to sit down, self-reflect what part might be true, but again, lead your leader and go to them and say, you know, and, and I wish, and we told her this, I said, I wish you would have just come to us and said, you don't agree and say so and explain your thoughts so that we could go, you know, back and forth so that we could be a little bit more particular about the very, uh, reasons why we we're giving you this feedback, right. To help you grow. Right. And, uh, and so our heart was so pure with it. And my heart was so broken that she quit because I just saw so much huge potential. And I think in this instance, it was that quit factor, right? Yeah. Because I think she was uncomfortable. I think it was the first time that someone had ever given her feedback. And, uh, you know, let, let's talk about this because you're a grandma. And uh, so I think this would be a good thing to talk about because there's, you know, there's this I don't know, uh, being a coach and being a grandma and being a parent, um, there's this, uh, this thing going around, which I, I can't stand, of, about millennials <laughs> and Gen Z. And I'm like, can we just call them human beings, you know? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just like this craziness. But then there's this thing, there's attack against parents right now. Uh, parents in the millennial generation, uh, which is my kids, are being called helicopter parents parents, right? And, uh, and I, I like to call myself a little bit of a helicopter parent as well. And, <laughs> yeah, um, I can relate. Then, then they call the Gen Z that they're lawnmower parents. So they're fighting all their kids' battles. And, and so something um, that I think is so important that I always made sure I instilled with my kids because my son played football. My daughter, um, you know, she went to college and finished for her um, getting uh, being a hairstylist, right? And I remember she had this huge attack on her. My daughter did. My son had a huge attack on them. And but I didn't stick up for my kids. I stuck up for what was right. And and I know. Let's talk to some of the parents listening right now because you think your kid could do no wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but it's time to step in, like as that coach too, and uh, and so not to be. Um, what's the word I want to use? Kind of like coming to their aid at that moment. I felt like that was what happened in this instance. I felt like uh, perhaps uh, this young lady who I oh my gosh, I just love her so much that that she listened to the wrong people in her life. I don't know if it was parents. I don't know who it was, but gave her wrong advice. Like, oh my gosh, they're questioning your professionalism. Like you just need to quit. Right. <laughs> you know, I know there's a lot in that, um, but talk on the parent side. What advice do you give? So I would say from experience, don't fight your children's battles. They need to learn from their own failures. Um, it's, I know it's difficult for us as parents to see our kids fail or struggle. But if I look back to my own childhood, that's what my parents did. They let me fail and struggle. And that's how you learn. And I found that what I did with my son is I always wanted to protect him. And I didn't want him to have to experience that. And that's, that's yeah. not good. You want them to experience that because that's how they learn and grow. So it makes it more difficult for them as they become adults. So I would say for parents, 
you know, if it's their safety is in jeopardy, that's different. But if it's to come, you know, if it's to do with schooling or friendships, let them go through the process, let them go through the failure, let them go through the challenges, because that's where they're going to learn the skills that they need when they go into adulthood of how to handle difficult things and not get in a situation like you said, when you get into a difficult job and you're hearing difficult feedback, you just quit because they've never probably experienced that. And so it doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. And so they just say, well, I'm going to quit. So I would say, let your children and your grandchildren growth, go through those challenges and go through that conflict because that's where they need to learn those skills. And it's hard as us as parents and grandparents sometimes to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying, I remember the specific situation with my daughter and I literally, she would be crying and I would just like, you know, you need to suck it up. And, and I call it getting ice in your veins. You need to get ice. in your veins. <laughs> she would leave and go to bed and I'd start crying because I just wanted to fight that battle for her. Yes. I know parents, I know the pain that it is because it's, you so want to fight those battles and just erase all the negativity from your kid's life. And, and, but you've got to allow them to go through that transformation because now my daughter's 27 business owner, three businesses, right? And her team loves her, but I don't think it could have happened if she didn't go through that pain. Thank you for that. And so as you look at your, I like to call it big, hairy, audacious goals that you have <laughs> in your life. And uh, it's no pun intended because I'm in the hair industry, right? <laughs> hairy, audacious goals. But uh, what, where do you see yourself? Like, what's your goals and, and how can people get a hold of you, Virginia, to be their coach as well? Sure. So my big goal, so again, went through another downsizing with this company that I've been with. And so for the last almost 10 years, I've been in the talent development space in some form or another. And so um, just recently, I left corporate America in December due to downsizing. And so one of my big goals that I'm working on now is my coaching, speaking, and training business on leadership and personal development. So I went live full-time as of January 1. So that's a major, major goal. Thank you. I'm very, very excited. I'm loving it. I can honestly say this time that I am truly tapping into what my dream and my passion is. I love doing speaking, coaching, and training. Um, the feedback that I receive is very positive and it helps reiterate that I'm on the right path. My husband's very, very supportive. He's my biggest cheerleader and is always supporting me. So I'm very, very excited to really get this business up and going. And so how people can find me, I'm on Instagram at Virginia Granley. I'm on LinkedIn, Virginia Granley, uh, Facebook, Virginia Granley Speaker and Trainer, and then my website's virginiagranley.com. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, so who's your target market? Like, who do you want to serve the most? So right now, I'm pretty much serving any industry because obviously leadership applies to all industries small to large corporations, but I think where I'm going to end up niching is really to small to medium companies is where I'll probably niche my market down. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you said that leadership's needed in any industry, but talk about the pain point. Like what do you see is the biggest problem with small businesses right now, small to medium businesses? What do you think is the biggest pain point and why, and how can you solve that through your leadership training? I think the biggest thing, and I see this have seen this in my career is many times we put people in supervisor or manager roles with no training whatsoever. And I think the biggest thing is communication. 
Um, many times supervisors and managers either don't know how or they don't want to deal with conflict or having those conversations and even positive conversations, surprisingly. Um, I hear it all the time from managers and supervisors. Oh, I don't have to tell that person they're doing a great job. They know that. Mm. And so it's really training them to realize you still need to communicate with them because when you have a high performer like that, that's doing a great job and they're not getting any feedback, eventually they're going to end up leaving because they're not going to feel valued or they're not going to feel recognized. So I think one of the biggest struggles I would see is that soft skills with leaders need to be developed. It's easy to hire for the technical skills. It's the soft skills where people struggle. Mm -hmm. And I think that many companies struggle with finding leaders that can be very effective at communicating whether it's positive or negative. Oh, that's good. That, that's so your lane. And I see that it so happened from your own specific transformation in your own life from day one. And that's so powerful. And being a business owner of seven companies, that's always our number one challenge is yes. uh, not having the hard conversations. And so one of the very first questions I always ask my directors is what small problems are you neglecting? And it always goes back to, I'm not having this communication with a challenge that I'm having with this person. Okay, so what does that look like? When is that going to happen? How are you going to hold them accountable? Yes, <laughs> right? yes. And going back to that uh, last staff member that quit on us, you know, we learned so much from it. And we talked, you know, to the directors at that time and we said, um, okay, so what would you do differently? And so I would have had the conversation much sooner and I would have been much clearer with the conversation of specifically what had happened and, but yes. I would have had it much sooner. So you're right. This is the number one challenge in families, the number one challenge in churches, the number one challenge in business is communication. Absolutely. Definitely your lane. You're on something so big, Virginia. I know people need you. Uh, they need to book you into their company as a coach, as a speaker, as a trainer, because uh, you're really, really going to help transform companies through communication and, and how to get past your own low self-confidence issues so that you can confidently give feedback and coach people to be their high performance. And that's all it is. It's just, I call it, uh, don't get your leadership on, get your love on. Right. And yes. so I keep your love on, you do it by being a really, really great coach. And I just really feel that you're going to add a ton of value to people. So what last uh, parting words can you give our audience as they listen? What do you want them to know? So I would say the two things that I would like your audience to, to pay attention to in their lives, personally and professionally, <clears throat> excuse me, my sinuses are killing me today. Um, <laughs> One, don't let that negative self-talk take over and don't let it limit your potential. So develop habits. When you find that you're starting to doubt yourself and you're starting to say negative things about yourself, turn that into a positive and do that every day. And it, once you do that and it becomes a habit, you'll catch yourself when you're doing that and turn it around and realize that everyone has potential and you have special skills. Take advantage of it and explore them. The second thing is get out of your own way, get out of your comfort zone. You're never going to grow and develop if you stay comfortable in life. You need to try different things. Make sure you're getting out of your comfort zone. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be scary. But I firmly believe you're going to look back and say, I am so glad I did that because that is truly where we do grow and develop. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.com. Dot net. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.